Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the Philadelphia Phillies. Saturday, here's Charlotte football. Niners out in Houston as they will take on Rice. Kickoff is at 2. Our airtime will be at 12 o'clock here on 730 the game. And to talk more about this Niner football team, a pleasure to head over to the guest line and bring on the 49er interim head coach for the rest of this season. That's Pete Rosamondo. Coach, good afternoon. How are you? Good, Bobby. How are you? Uh, doing great, Coach. Uh, appreciate the time. And obviously, interesting week uh, for you guys over there at Jerry Richardson Stadium. How have you seen the focus of the players specifically as uh, the focus still needs to be on Rice and trying to get a win on Saturday? Uh, they've done a great job. You know, I mean, for the, you know, the, the kind of the, the hand they've been dealt right now, they've really done a great job of trying to focus and, and put first things first and really, really concentrate on the ball and getting ready for rice. And, you know, just as you can, as you know, emotionally, it's a difficult week, but they did a great job and really felt, was really proud of them and our coaches of getting them ready to go. And coach, when you took over here on Sunday, what was your message to this team as you prepare for these final four games of the regular season? Well, like I just said, you know, it's like putting first things first. You know, worrying about football, worrying about getting prepared for a game each and every week, and and really just you know just focusing on each other and helping each other get through a tough time. And you know, I think we you know our best ball right now has really been has really been the last few weeks, with the exception of maybe last week. So we need to just continue to build on that. And coach, and just in terms of how everybody, the players have responded, the leaders and seniors of this team, how have you seen those guys step up and really put a lot of this on their shoulders and their their backs? Well, I think I think the future of our country is bright with those guys leading, um, Chris Reynolds and Marquise Watts, and you know we just had some some unbelievable leadership this week that have, have really done a great job of focusing our team. And, and keeping them motivated and, and getting them. I mean, they, we didn't have a guy miss a meeting and miss anything this week. They did a great job, and I'm really proud of them. And like I said, they're going to be successful whenever they leave here, whatever their endeavors are. So I appreciate those guys. And, Coach, for you personally and even on the coaching side, how has your game week when it comes to preparation adjusted as you've now taken over as a head coach? Well, obviously, these types of things, you know, media obligations you didn't have before. You know, I could lock myself in a room and, you know, prepare the offensive line and make sure to get those guys ready to go, and I couldn't do that this week. And You know, really, I was really my, – my main focus was on the players this week, you know, and I met with every player on the team and had an opportunity just, just to really touch them and make sure they're doing okay and, you know, get in their head space. And, and really, they were all real positive, but, you know, it took a lot of time. So it's, it was a little different 
week this week than they'll probably even be going forward. But um, it was just great to, you know, great to have an opportunity to get out on the field Tuesday. Coach, when you have a week like this with, with everything that's happened, uh, is it kind of a benefit perhaps maybe that you guys are going on the road and maybe look at this as a, as a chance to kind of come together as a team? I love it. Yeah, I love being on the road. I think it's a circle the wagons type of environment. And, uh, you know, I really believe that, that will be be that'll be best for us. You know, just, just kind of get the travel team together, get those guys in a hotel and, and together and be focused on, on the football game. I think that's going to be really positive for us. Coach, was there a point this week where it felt like maybe the players kind of started, you looked at those guys and said, hey, it's, it's just it's it's normal as far as out here practicing with, with everything that happened on Sunday, but at some point you turned the page and maybe it started feeling more like a normal week? Yeah, I mean, we didn't practice Monday. You know, we did more meetings and, and walkthroughs and lifting. And Tuesday when we got out on the field, I think everybody was kind of relieved to be out there and getting the sweat. And, um, you know, I think that was really good for us. And, you know, Tuesday's practice was one of our best of the year and guys really flew around and, you know, Wednesday, a little bit of a lull. I think guys realized what was going on, you know, back to practice, but it wasn't a lull in the sense of execution. Just maybe the, the energy was a little bit, but today was, was awesome. Guys did a great job of bringing energy and flying around the field. And, you know, the tempo of practice has just been a little bit different. So, um, yeah, you know, I think they were all happy just to get rolling again. Pete Rosamondo, Charlotte 49er, interim head coach with us here on the Afternoon Rush. Again, Niners and Rice on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Airtime will start at noon here on the station. And, Coach, you mentioned, you know, the team may take away the FIU game, but improvements have been made uh, right there down to the wire against UTEP, leading in the fourth quarter against UAB. And one thing you just noticing uh, being with this team, you know, the defense, I thought it had made some strides, and they were obviously put in a rough spot in the game against FIU as you kind of put maybe more focus on the defense now, leading this football team. What do you see from that unit as uh, they gear up here for rice on Saturday? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we have veteran leadership on that side of the ball in our coaching staff and Greg Brown and, and uh, uh, coach Baker, our D line coach and Adam Brathwaite. I mean, all those guys have done a great job of leading that group and just each week kind of chipping away and getting a little bit better at a few things. And they're finally starting to play as a, as a unit. And, I, and, you know, the last maybe three or four weeks, you know, you could see it on the field. You know, they're getting big stops in the red zone. I think the last two weeks we've had three stops inside the red zone with zero points. Um, so they've, they've really turned the, turned the corner on the defensive side of the ball. And it always starts up front, and our D-line's starting to play great. And, um, you know, we just want to make sure we put those guys in good situations. You know, last week we did not. Uh, no, to no fault of anybody's, you know, just obviously you have a couple turnovers and you have a bad punt. And next thing you know, you got, you know, three, uh, three possessions inside the 40 yard line. So certainly no way to start the game. Have you turned to anyone specifically just being a, a coach at this level in college football and having all of your connections? Have you turned to anyone or who have you talked to this week in this transition? Oh, I mean, I, I probably had over a thousand text messages in the last, three days and, you know, just talk to a lot of people that I've been around. I mean, I, you know, I've done this before. I've been a head coach. Um, you know, I never, never wrote this script before, but, right. you know, I think that, uh, you know, the ability to lead a team through a game week, I could certainly do that. And I know how to care about people and we got great people in our program. And I think that just everyone in the building rallying around me and this program and kind of carrying on what will got started, I think was, uh, 
you know, it was really important. It was more important for our players. It was important for the morale. It was important for the preparation for this game. Coach, as you said, it's not your first rodeo, but still uh, anticipate any butterflies, nerves on Saturday as you lead the 49ers out on the field down in Houston? Uh, well, I always have butterflies. I always have nerves. It hasn't ended you know, since I started playing <laughs> right. when, I was, when I was a kid. So um, you know, I never really felt any difference being a head coach and a position coach or a coordinator. But actually coordinating and calling plays when being a head coach was probably the most stressful thing I ever did. So I don't have to, I don't have any of that on Saturday. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just really excited to get these guys out on the field and, and, and show what we can do against Rice. And going up against Rice, Coach, uh, four and three uh, so far this season. Uh, they're coming off a, an overtime win against uh, La Tech at a, a tough loss at, at FAU. But this is it's a, an impressive Rice team seven games into the season. Uh, what, what's your take on what this Niner team is going to face on Saturday? Well, you know, I think Mike's been building, you know, building the team since he's gotten there. He's had some, you know, he's had some lean years from a record standpoint, but always continued to build the program from the, you know, he's a line coach just like I am. So he built it from the inside out. And you could certainly see that on the field. You know, they got physical players on the offensive and defensive line. And, you know, they use those guys to really set the tempo in the games. Um, and they've done a really good job of developing depth because you can see guys coming off the bench and, and, and playing at a pretty high level. So, yeah, I think we're going to face a physical team that obviously wants to run the ball, um, but they also have done a great job of, you know, they moved McCaffrey out to receiver, and um, he's doing a great job of creating explosive plays. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going, to be, it's going to be a challenge for us, just like every week in Conference USA right now. Should be a good one Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern, Newton airtime here on 7 to 30, the game. Uh, Coach, appreciate the time. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. All right, thanks, guys. There you go. Pete Rosamondo, interim head coach for the Charlotte 49ers, Niners, and Rice on Saturday. We'll take a timeout. The burning four? I don't know. I came up with that earlier. No for that. No. No? No. Burning? No. See, because, like, I think Colin Cowherd used to have, like, the burning seven picks or something like that. Molly, there was something that happened yesterday, Mark. I can't even say it on air of her reaction to something that was said. <laughs> and I was listening back to the podcast today while I, uh, driving, and I had forgotten about it. And I just, you just kept on going being a professional. <laughs> she was as immature as anybody oh, has ever been I, on this. I, I know. I remember. I, I remember this, exactly what it I'm was. I'm disappointed in you, Bobby, for not <laughs> leaning more into that. I, I kind of laughed. You did. But, you kind of, you did the. Yeah. Uh, I was you did the old. Really you did the old time. I think, did, I, I think I took like, man, that was really immature by Molly. <laughs> you did the old Tom Swordson trick where he would pull away from the mic yeah. and laugh. But uh, yeah, yeah. Just, I, just I, I remember. Away. I remember very vividly what it was. Yes. All right, we'll come up with a new name for it. Maybe I'll use what Molly said yesterday. It's the afternoon rush, seven thirty. The game. It's an error on my part, folks. Sake. Had the hot five bump for so long, but since that segment's been killed by management. <laughs> Don't need to play that anymore. It is the afternoon rush, 7 to 30, the game. Bobby, Mark, and Molly here till 6 o'clock tonight. Thanks to Pete Rossimondo hopping on with us. Mike Solarte as well. Still have D. Orlando Ledbetter in at just 15 minutes as D. Orlando will give us his thoughts on this Atlanta Falcon squad as they get set to host the Carolina Panthers this weekend. First time this year that you were looking at a Falcon squad that is favored in a game as uh, they are favored right now four points 
over Carolina. Also 5.30, Lee Sterling. He'll give us his thoughts on that game and uh, some other games going on in the NFL and college football. We couldn't do it at 4. Thanks to Coach Rossimondo hopping on with us. But right now, the top four at four. All right, question number one. What is your upset pick in college football this weekend? I will go a game in the ACC. It is a team and a coach that we have been talking an awful lot about this week. It's Louisville playing host to Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. That would be a huge upset in the ACC. Oh, I thought it would have been way more. I would have ruined that and guessed the spread because I would have thought it would be way more. (laughs) Oh, well, I probably already forgot about that victory. Yeah, that huge victory, Uh, because we've talked a lot of Satterfield and Louisville and what this team, what this coaching staff needs to do to stay intact. Right. For 2023, it's win against Wake Forest. It's at the very least be bowl eligible, but you need a, a significant win on this schedule and this would certainly be a significant win over wake forest i like wake forest i obviously like scott and louisville as well but i think this team has gotten better they've slowly quietly gotten better we're sitting still under the radar enough to pull a quick one pull a surprising one over the demon deeks bobby i'm gonna take you to the heartland, let me take you to Lincoln, Nebraska. Ooh, I don't even know who they're playing. Where the 16th ranked Illini taking on the Cornhuskers. Brett Bielema done a nice job this year with Illinois. I'm not buying it. I think it ends their little magical little run, comes to a halt on Saturday. Mickey Joseph has the Cornhuskers actually within reach of, believe it or not, the Big Ten West Division title. And that offense has actually started to show some life. Illinois has got a good defense. But I think this coming Saturday, the Cornhuskers have a little something for them. So give me Nebraska. I think they're a seven and a half point dog. I think they win outright over Illinois. All right, question two. And I know Reggie Walker at least was listening at the end of last segment because he asked what was said on the show yesterday. So I did send him that information, I got a bunch of Molly exclamation points in response uh, from Reggie. Uh, I think he should After. be saying Mark for how inappropriate that comment was. It was only inappropriate if you took it to be inappropriate. Yeah, and uh, Molly did. And so she did, no and she took it and ran. Uh, about that. So Reggie with us yesterday and asked about the, the game plan and basically ben, saying Ben McAdoo was a better OC because Christian McCaffrey was not there. Do you agree with Reggie? Love Reggie. I respectfully disagree because I don't know that he had a choice but to spread the ball around a little bit more without Christian McCaffrey. I just think by default, he had to do what we saw last week and obviously get both the running backs involved, get Tommy Tremble, get him a touchdown pass, get Terrace Marshall involved a little bit more. So I, I don't know if it makes him a better offensive coordinator. I just don't know that he had a choice because we saw – even with McCaffrey, that first game with P.J. Walker, that, that game plan was horrible. It was absolutely absurd uh, what they came out with. So I, I'm not going to give him all that credit. I just don't know that he had much of a choice. Yes, I have thought about this. 
thought about what Reggie said yesterday. I let it simmer a little bit and it's now boiling over because I agree with Reggie Walker so much. Uh, ben McAdoo, I have not been impressed with as an offensive coordinator to say the least. But as I look back on this season, and this is not as an excuse, obviously, for McAdoo, like, oh, he'll be better now. But I think he was just trying to do too much, trying to be too cute. It's like a guy who isn't used to having someone like Christian McCaffrey to work with. And the, for, for the majority of the games, for every game, Ben McAdoo is trying to figure out how to use Christian McCaffrey. Do you not want to use him too much? And the rest of this offense getting guys involved, it's almost like he was making Christian McCaffrey way more of a challenge than he should have been. He was working against this offense with CMC rather than with it. I mean, it, it does feel like he made his job more difficult than it had to be to feature Christian McCaffrey, which is weird because early on they weren't using Christian McCaffrey enough. And then it's, it, there's just been so many criticisms there where I look at Sunday and especially the run game with Foreman and even Hubbard and how they ran the football and the offensive line's performance. That's everything clicked. That's what it feels like it should have been. And it's strange and crazy to think that the, the best offensive performance came with PJ Walker and a Christian McCaffrey-less offense but I think Ben McAdoo was just in over his head with the talent and skill set of Christian McCaffrey. All right, I did a quick little uh, research while you guys were talking. The beats by two points. Ooh. <laughs> uh, give me Wake Forest by four and a half. There it was. I thought you were playing Mark's inappropriate comments. No, I didn't clue all that. I was like, man, he's actually I'm not going there. It's not inappropriate unless you take it to be inappropriate. I wanted to go back to prove the point where she acted like she did not know what the spread was. And she almost guessed it right yesterday on the show. So it was almost right there. And she had no recollection of that even happening. If we did it today, I probably would have said wake by nine. Honestly, I was surprised the spread. That is a short line. Yeah. I agree with that. As it is. All right. uh, Question number three here in the top four at four. What is your biggest NBA overreaction so far? My biggest NBA overreaction. Is it something that I've heard, by the way, or is it here's my overreaction and I'm going to run it? Either way you want to go. Give me a good answer and I'll give you a point. Yeah, see what it goes. All right, well, get that pin (laughs) sharpened up, Bobby. Because right now there's not many checks on your side of the board. (laughs) i got to fix that ink in your pin then. Uh, I will go the Cleveland Cavaliers are contenders in the East. With Donovan Mitchell. This is a team that lost their first game of the season, 108 to 105 over the Raptors. They're now on a three game winning streak against the Bulls, Wizards, and Magic. Now you look at that schedule and it's like, oh, yeah, they should be on a three game winning streak. But what's still ahead in the short term for Cleveland? I think they will prove with Donovan Mitchell that. Yeah, they are a serious threat and a team that will be a contender, that will be towards the top of the East at the end of the season. You got the Celtics tomorrow, the Knicks, Celtics again, and then the Pistons here in this next four-game stretch. And I think these are good enough teams for Cleveland, especially even the Boston Celtics, to take care of, and then more people start to take this team seriously. We thought it was a major significant move for the Cleveland Cavaliers. At first, though, we didn't want to go all in on Cleveland and say, yeah, this is a top two, top three team in the East. However, I think after the way they have looked to start the season, watched a lot of it, 
They. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> they are going to be a threat in the Eastern Conference. By the way, stay tuned for Molly's Cavaliers podcast, which is uh, <laughs> debut. yes, <laughs> debuting next week, I believe I heard that. Uh, I will go with Utah as a real threat in the West. Uh, they're four and one. It's a nice start for the Jazz, but I just I, I don't I'm not buying that you know Laurie Marketing is going to lead them uh, to big and better things in the Western Conference. Uh, I think eventually the regular uh, contributors in that conference will rise to the top and the Jazz will fall back down. But right now it's a nice story. The Jazz are four and one, but I, I don't buy them long term. All right, we talked about the four worst QB moves in the NFL the other day. How would you rank the moves made at quarterback by the Panthers in the Matt Rule era? So I'm guessing we're talking about, obviously, the – I just want to make sure I have the four right. Uh, bringing in Darnold, bringing in Baker, bringing back Cam and P.J. Walker. That's, Works that's, for me. that's what we're doing There's here. also Teddy Bridgewater involved in this, though, too. Right? So is that five? Whatever. You can do I mean, whatever you want. You can rank want. however, okay. yeah. yeah. All okay. the quarterback okay. names that you've heard under Rule era. All right. I mean, if you want to put – Jacob Eason being on the practice squad. You can, do <laughs> you can that. put that on there. All right. Uh, I will start with the best move. And I think that was actually Teddy Bridgewater. I think that was the best move of the quarterbacks that was made so far of the, of the four. Uh, and I'll leave PJ out. So I'll go Teddy one. Cam, bringing back Cam was two. I understood why they did it. You were losing the fan base. You had to bring some excitement back, and it did for a week or two. It did that. Next, the worst move was going out and getting Baker Mayfield. And the worst move was was now bringing Sam Darnold because of what you gave up for him. So that would be my ranking, one to four. I had a very similar ranking to how Mark ranked it. And I'm sitting here looking at my list, and I think, you know what? Hell no. Bobby is now excited for the Panthers' future. It's not crazy to think the Carolina Panthers will win this game, the next game, and go on a tear. Go did on not, a did not say that two-game winning streak. That feels she like is a tear. Full of lies. Do we get to go out to Scottsdale for the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. So because it does now feel like this team. And not necessarily because they wanted to realize, but because this team has gotten a reality check, this fan base has officially realized, one, we can't buy into David Tepper and his quarterback decisions, but two, they have to draft a quarterback. They can't continue to throw things against the wall because there were even fans that were excited about Baker Mayfield this summer. So because we have all hit rock bottom, I will say Baker Mayfield was the best decision. Because Mark, congrats on winning. <laughs> Appreciate it. Always, it. always nice to end the week on a win, Bobby. Should I keep going? Actually, I'm because intrigued to see where the rest of this list it goes. It made us realize, okay, this is all terrible. This is all bad. We officially have to hit the reset button. I struggled with the whole Teddy Bridgewater thing uh, because I thought Teddy was a really good move. However, then you got rid of him. It was the start of that. Is there an argument that you could have just kept Cam around for another year and then hit the reset button? But I did end up going Teddy Bridgewater number two. 
Sam Darnold, I will put three. And I totally understand Mark putting him last because of everything that you gave up. At least he got three and a half good games from Sam Darnold. Maybe you'll get even a few more good games from Sam Darnold this year. And then I will put, I'm sorry, because I did get, I changed my list. Cam Newton now is worst on my list, the worst move, because it was just such a a trickery and foolery from ownership and management of, oh, hey, let's bring this guy in. He'll be the shiny new toy. He'll be the, the distraction from what this team actually is, which was a hot mess last year. And it left people thinking, oh, wow, this team is going to do something. Cam Newton still has something left in him. No, he doesn't. And people are still bringing up the, the possibility, or at least were recently, the possibility of Cam Newton returning to Charlotte because David Tepper gave them that taste of it last year. All right, Mark, congratulations on your victory. Thank you again. Once again, thank you. Uh, three to one was the final score in today's top Come four. On. That last one I deserve some points for. Uh, I, the camp part was fine. You, you just Baker couldn't be one. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but you get where I was going with no, that. No, I, I got you. Mm-hmm. But it just couldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't work in my list. The Orlando Ledbetter of the AJC. We'll talk some Falcons next, 730 of the game. Carolina Panthers down in Atlanta on Sunday to take on the Falcons. These two teams uh, will see each other a couple times in just a few weeks. Of course, Thursday night football here in Charlotte in about the middle of November. To talk some Falcons right now, we'll head over to the guest line and bring on from the AJC. That's D. Orlando Ledbetter. D. Orlando, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great, Bobby. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, we always appreciate your time, dear Orlando. And uh, for the Falcons, off uh, to a three and four start. Uh, obviously, Cincinnati got the better of them this past weekend. Uh, we're looking at Marcus Mariota, dear Orlando. How have you viewed him through these first seven games? Yeah, he's been a, a manager, uh, running a lot of the things he ran at uh, Oregon. A lot of pistol, a lot of RPO, a lot of one. Uh, look passing stuff. Uh, look pretty good doing it, um, and has kept them in uh, most of their games until last week. So uh, he uh, he's been uh, ex- exceeded expectations here early in the season. And I don't know if uh, that might be your answer here, but what's been your biggest surprise through these first seven games for the Falcons? Uh, the ability to run the football with uh, basically the same line that that couldn't run the football. Uh, the last year or last few years, they haven't had a rushing attack since 2016, uh, and they're, um, they, they've been okay in pass protection. But the fact that they've been able to function as an offense and score points uh, at a you know pretty decent clip has been um, the surprising part of it. But that's uh, Coach Arthur Smith was offensive coordinator, so I guess that is the one thing they should be able to do. D. Orlando Ledbetter now joining us on the afternoon rush. And you mentioned Arthur Smith. How would you evaluate him as a head coach in the job that he's done first couple of seasons with Atlanta? Yeah, I think he's uh, working miracles with uh, with miracle dust here. Uh, <laughs> uh, getting seven wins out of his team last year and keeping them in the hunt to week 16 was, uh, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of, a, um, you know, kind of surprising. Uh should have got some coach of the year votes given, you know, what they were playing with. And then this year they, 
they're playing with a lot of dead salary cap space, a record amount, $77.4 million that they don't have because uh, they got rid of all of the, um, you know, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan contract, Deion Jones. They got rid of all those contracts. So they're playing with guys that people didn't want pretty much and uh, have somehow managed to get off to a three and four start and uh, upset San Francisco in the process. And we've talked a lot about the future of the Carolina Panthers recently and even the future of this entire division, which is just not good at the moment. So when it comes to the future under Arthur Smith with the Atlanta Falcons and over exceeding expectations, what do you think it does look like here in the next couple of years? Well, um, they got two draft classes under their belt. Um, they got to find out if they got their quarterback. Uh, if, if it's Marcus or Desmond Ritter, or you know, or, or they get on the quarterback carousel that Carolina's on right now, and the Saints are getting ready to get on. Uh, you know, after Drew Brees and Matt Ryan and Cam Newton, have, you know, we had a, had a stable situation for the most part, except for Tampa. Then the old guy goes to Tampa, and now they're all of a sudden Super Bowl contenders, uh, and everybody's back at quarterback ground zero. So, um, you know, whoever gets the quarterback deal right, uh, they can build and build a team around the quarterback. Uh, will be able to, you know, take control of the South here. The Falcons are trying to build the team out and then get the quarterback. Uh, and we'll see if that formula works for them. Orlando, I know we, we had you on before the 2021 draft. I remember asking you about who you thought the pick was going to be, and you said it'll probably be Kyle Pitts. I don't think that's the right pick, but it'll be Kyle Pitts. And it did turn out to be Kyle Pitts. So far, uh, still waiting for him to kind of explode onto the scene. Any frustration level down there with Kyle Pitts to this point? Um, yeah, there is. Uh, um, you know, he, he did have a 1,000 yards last year, went to Pro Bowl. Uh, off to a slow start this year. I think it's just 16 catches on 30 targets. Uh, only got nine yards on three catches in the last game. Uh, when you draft somebody fourth overall, you know, you got to be able to get them the ball. Uh, but, you know, they're talking about his blocking and all this. And, you know, uh, but I don't think they drafted him to be a blocker. So, <laughs> they, as they develop their offensive attack, they got to um, – uh, build it out a little bit better where they can use these weapons. That's, that was my point. It's like, hey, you got a tight end. You're going to throw the ball two, five times a game. But you you got you could have got a tackle in Pene Sowell who is going to play 70 plays a game for you. Or you could get a Jamar Chase who could blow the whole game open. But same thing, you don't have anybody to get him the ball. Where Cincinnati clearly had Joe Burrow already. Delinda, what's the plan you believe for Desmond Ritter for the rest of this season? And I guess as long as the Falcons are technically alive in this division where it's it's hard to think anybody's going to run away with it, do you think they they will go ahead and stick with with Marcus, or do you think there's a point this year where we might see Desmond Ritter? No, I'm working on that. That's my Sunday story, and um, it's not. They're not. They're gonna. I can tell right now after talking to Dave Ragone and, and looking back at what happened to him. He said, you know, when he was a rookie, he wasn't prepared. He just did a scout team and got out there. Then all of a sudden, somebody got hurt. They put him in there for two games, two losses. The next thing you know, he's out of the league. 
So he, they are telling Desmond, hey, we're not putting you out there until you ready to play. And, uh, you know, basically looking at this as a redshirt year, unless, of course, something happens to Marcus. Uh, but, um, you know, so I've talked to Desmond. He's preparing himself to start every week and, you know, saying all the right stuff and, and uh, you know, just hope he's doing it. They're trying to follow the Kansas City model with Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not calling Desmond Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he didn't play. Des, he, Patrick did not play that first year. He played one game in week 15, I believe. But they saw enough, as you read them did, to uh, trade Alex Smith over the offseason and move – uh, moved to, to to Patrick, but they had built out that team already. And the Falcons, I don't know if they, they built out the team like that, but they're definitely following that old Green Bay make them sit model, you know, that uh, goes all the way back to Matt Hasselback and Mark Brunell and Aaron Brooks all sitting behind Brett Favre uh, until, you know, they were worthy to play somewhere. And, and then you move them that way. So, He's sitting, and, and that's the plan, and a lot of people aren't happy about that. The Orlando Ledbetter, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with us on the afternoon rush. You know, the Orlando Panthers win this past weekend, just the second win, but, you know, Bucks lose tonight. Panthers beat the Falcons. All of a sudden, they're the first-place team. For Atlanta, sitting there at 3-4, and four, no one on a win would mean for them. Have expectations changed, or uh, how are things being viewed in Atlanta right now, considering just how bad this division is? Yeah, it's going to be kind of like that year when the Panthers won it at seven and nine. Uh, I think that was Rivera's uh, the first of three when when they did that. So it goes in cycles, and it, um, this is a down cycle. Uh, so whoever can put together some 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 quality play is going to pull away, maybe get to nine and eight and win the division, or or uh, eight and nine might even win the thing. But uh, the Falcons don't play but one team with a winning record the rest of the way, and that's the Chargers. So they they got a favorable schedule. They've been through, through the toughest part of their schedule already. And uh, if they can put it back together after getting blown out in Cincinnati, uh, they might have a shot here. And D. Orlando, talking about a former quarterback for Atlanta, I know you brought up Matt Ryan. Him, him getting benched in Indianapolis, could you ever imagine it would go this poorly for Matt Ryan and the Colts? No, I did not because, you know, they had the running back. You know, that was the formula here in Atlanta when they were winning. It was uh, you had the running game and he could throw play action off of it and you had a good line. Uh, turns out the coach line is, uh, isn't as is, uh, good as we originally thought and the running back was hurt early. And, uh, you know, when you got Matt Ryan throwing over 40 times a game, that's a losing formula. So uh, it went bad. It went all the way sideways. And, um, you know, I could have told him that. Uh, when he had Michael the Bernard Turner. They went to the playoffs. When they had uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman running pretty good, they went to the playoffs. And he's got to be able to step up into his pocket and throw the ball. Uh, and the um, coach wasn't able to firm up his pocket, and he was under duress. It was just sad to watch at the end. That Thursday night game was a mess. It was just he, – he pulled that one out 12-9, but – uh, you know, seeing the older guys out there getting hit like that, it just uh, was reminiscent of Brett Favre in his uh, last days with the Vikings. Uh, D. Orlando, I know you tried to ask D Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, this question today. Uh, he didn't really give you an answer. I'll ask you the same question. Uh, what do you expect from this Panthers offense on, on Sunday? We saw them run the ball uh, the best they've run it all year. Uh, P.J. Walker, you know, no turnovers, uh, made some good throws, but – would you expect the Panthers to, to go down there and try to establish the run again this week? 
Yeah, no question about it. They are. Uh, the Falcon, you know, Dean, I don't know why. <laughs> the old guy gets a little cranky in the <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, I mean, that worked for him. You ran for almost 180 uh, one, with uh, Hubbard and uh, uh, Deontay Foreman. So yeah, you're gonna make you're gonna run down their throats today. Stop it! But hey, he probably knows that hey, he's got three backups in the secondary, and there might be some easy pickings too in the pass game. This is one of the the worst pass defenses in the league too. So if uh, PJ can get hot and heat him up, uh, you know he's got to get that secondary ready to play with three backups. If uh, AJ Terrell can't go, Jalen um, Hawkins is uh, in concussion protocol, and Casey Hayward's already out. So you got. You got three backups back there uh, for uh, P.J. Walker to throw at and D.J. Moore to, to get it to. So that's why he's probably where he's more worried about that than trying to stop the run. D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. D. Orlando, we always appreciate the time here in Charlotte. Thank you very much. All right, Bob and Molly, thanks for having me. There you go. Great stuff with D. Orlando, as always. We'll talk more about this Panther-Falcon game next here, 730 of the game. What's trending coming your way here in 15 minutes. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports at 5.30. Thursday night football tonight, Baltimore and Tampa Bay. Perfect time to head over to Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to play fantasy football. They have investment backing from Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, among others. As you get set for tonight, you can play their pick em game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You pick between two and five players to build a pick entry. You can also go rivals picks, which pits two players against each other. As we look at tonight's action here, you can even just do rushing yards of Gus Edwards compared to Lamar Jackson with Gus Edwards getting plus 17.5, which kicker has more extra points. And Ryan Suppick, Justin Tucker, more completions. Lamar Jackson, or Tom Brady. There's so many different ways to enjoy the action tonight, and you can just download the Underdog Fantasy app, and it is all right there on your phone. Sign up today with promo code ESPNCLT. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store, and don't forget to register with my promo code ESPNCLT to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Terms and conditions do apply. Coming up here on a Sunday, the Carolina Panthers will be in Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, we had the argument earlier of, I can't even get in. I'm still confused of Molly's crazy. <laughs> it makes it, it sense. It doesn't make sense yeah. to me, but you can go back. The first hour will be uh, posted. I think you can actually get it online. It'll be tweeted out and stuff at uh, 6 o'clock tonight uh, where you can hear that full conversation. But let's just say the Panthers do beat the Falcons. Molly, what or who? will be the reason Carolina does do that. I would like to go DJ Moore maybe for what the the passing offense of this team because we talked earlier the Falcons defense uh, against the pass is not great. It's not good when it comes to where it ranks in the NFL. However, Still P.J. Walker throwing D.J. Moore the football, although he was involved on Sunday. And if I were to go this passing offense in general, then that's me putting some eggs in uh, other baskets like uh, Tommy Tremble or Ian Thomas or uh, guys on this offense that we have really not seen all that involved consistently this season. So I'll stick with what impressed me and surprised me the most in that win against Tampa Bay 
and it's Foreman. Uh, with Ch- Chuba Hubbard and being out for a second straight day, uh, he was seen in a walking boot uh, outside the stadium, around the stadium as well. So you don't feel like he will even be out there Sunday. I think this will all come down to Foreman. Having a successful run game the way he did on Sunday against Tampa Bay. And, th- and then into that, it's obviously the offensive line, the run blocking that they'll set up, the holes that they'll create. But I think Foreman will be another big piece to this Panthers win. Yeah, I'm with Molly. Uh, I think if the Panthers win this game Sunday, it'll be basically the same formula we saw this past weekend, and that was running the football, P.J. Walker going out not making mistakes, and the defense playing solid. Uh, I think that's the recipe that Steve Wilkes would love to see every week, and that will be uh, when they win, I think that will be the formula. I, I, I know the Falcons have, have given up you know passing yardage, but I, I don't feel like this is a game where P.J. Walker is going to go down there and throw for 350 yards and the Panthers win that way, I think it'll be because they run the football. I'm going to go – we'll go defensive side. I get everything you guys are saying here uh, of what Carolina can do. But you look at the Panther defense as well as they have been playing here in this Falcon football team. You hear D'Orlando say surprise has been able to run the football, and that's happened without Patterson, who was uh, put on IR. And I believe this is the fourth game that he will miss. He had to miss at least four. Not sure what his timetable is to get back here. But this Panther defense, as good as they've been playing – to me, this is not all that good of a Atlanta Falcon offense that you'll be go up against here. So for Brian Burns, Derek Brown, making havoc on that uh, offensive line for Atlanta and making Atlanta turn the football over. Zero turnovers, last three games. Panthers are going to have to do that to me if they are going to win this football game here on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Reggie Walker on the show with us yesterday. Uh, he gave his thoughts on how the QB plan should be for the Panthers moving forward. If they come back to this thing and, and it's it's Sam Darnold once he's healthy and then they go back to Baker, I don't think you can change at that point. And so, uh, to me, whoever once all three guys are healthy, the first guy that starts once all three are healthy, I think it needs to stay that way for the rest of the year and give this team some consistency and continuity and a similar voice, right? The same voice for the offensive line and that cadence, the receivers, the way the ball comes off the quarterback hand, all of those things are a factor for, to, to, to remain sort of in sync and in rhythm because, again, to the point Bobby just made about where the division is right now, indirectly, at least until some things change, and, we, and many of us suspect that Tampa could cut, sort of cut, get out of the rut and start to play better. But until that happens, to me, you continue to fight because you're in the thick of things in this division. For me, when I look at the quarterback situation and the Panthers of how it's going to move forward, I, I was I was leaning more to be to Sam. It feels like Yarborough Baker is clearly next up right now. Yeah, that's I think health ready. of Sam, yeah. but I don't know. I just get the vibe from the Panthers that it would be Baker Mayfield next up, and that could very likely be next weekend uh, for Carolina taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'll be actually my biggest, safest bet to make bold prediction, whatever you want is when they host the Atlanta Falcons, P.J. Walker is not the starting quarterback for this team. So whether that's Baker, whether that's that. Sam, I don't agree with Reggie, though, on the point, though, once you go to Baker, he's the guy. No. I'm with Salarte and what he said earlier. It's a week-to-week thing. Uh, it, you could be rotating throughout the rest of the damn season because if I'm Steve Wilkes, I don't care about those guys' feelings. All their contracts are done. I need to win football games. And who can I ride the hot hand for, whether it's two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, those guys are going to be rotating. Yeah, and th- – 
in the sense I I get that and I agree with it, but then when I hear Reggie look two weeks ago, I'm like, ah, screw it. I don't care who it is. I, the the quarterback, Jacob Eason, put Jacob Eason out there. Like at one point, we're all calling for him, right? Because it, it's not, not because PJ he actually Walker. threw the ball down the field right, at one yeah. time. And then you see PJ Walker, and he shows that he's capable of throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage. It's just been McAdoo holding him back. So the Panthers right now are in it. And look, with P.J. Walker, I don't expect him to be the long-term option. And Baker Mayfield, it's, to me, it's how long can the Panthers really stay in this? Do I think the Bucks are going to turn it on in any significant way? No, but I do think in the end, it will be the quarterback play to hold this Panthers team back. So P.J. Walker, when he doesn't work out, then you go to Baker Mayfield. Maybe you stick with Baker Mayfield. It's a hot hand, right? The week-to-week basis, he doesn't work out. I go to Sam Darnold then at, at that point. So that's what's tricky is I agree with the week to week basis, but also it's going to change of just how much the Carolina Panthers are in it towards the end of the season. I am surprised that Sam Darnold is has not been basically, you know, taken off the, the injured list. I thought this is the week we yeah. might actually see him. And because we are not seeing him, I'm with you by, it feels like that, that ship has sailed and this is going to be either, P.J. Walker or Baker Mayfield the rest of the way. And is that like Panthers strategy in a way, right? Because you keep them on IR, then we don't have to question. Then there isn't any quarterback competition. I don't see why you would or... care at this point in time okay. if I was the Panthers. Now, Baker might have a voodoo doll and he might. hitting the ankle. Yeah. Baker's wife might have. Sam Darnold to keep him out there. I guess they somebody... were um, Yellowstone people for that. They're Halloween I never watched party, that show. so it makes sense. Uh, I did see, I think it was David Newton, somebody asking Baker whether he wants to be traded. I did yes. see that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that actually was brought up. First, who's trading for him? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Did he laugh when, when he was that? Somebody I don't know. asked him. I'm like, who asked yeah. that question? I, I had to reread it because I thought it said, you know, like, do you basically regret getting traded here? <laughs> I didn't know it was, do you think you're going to get traded? Like, what team? Oh, let me take the guy with the worst QBR in football through the first five weeks of the season and add him to my roster. And 42 batted passes. Yeah, I, d- I don't think that's going to be on anyone's radar to try to make that happen. 704-800-48-27 is how you can text into the show. We got an hour to go. What's trending? Coming your way next, 730 The Game.